Hello and welcome to the 108 podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Raquel. And we are the Type 1 Together Girls. We are stripping down life with type 1 diabetes from two people who live different versions of it every single day. Please remember Type 1 Together does not give medical advice. We are only sharing from personal experience. And today we are really excited to bring you an episode all about 504 plans and back to school. As many of you know, we tried to record this before. We had some issues. So we are coming back even stronger with all the right questions and uh, excited to get you all some information. So I'm excited to welcome back Anna Sabino, one of our diabetes educators. And Anna, I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, take two, right? So um, yes. my name is Anna Sabino. Um, I have lived with type one for almost 35 years, believe it or not. Um, and I uh, am a master's level social worker and uh, certified diabetes care and education specialist. That takes forever to say. Um, but <laughs> I uh, have my own private practice called Finding Smiles Coaching and then work with a bunch of amazing uh, organizations just like um, Amanda and Raquel at the top team providing individual and group uh, mental health support and diabetes education for families. Yay. Yay. So awesome. Um, really fast. Can I tell a story about how our swim teacher? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you guys. So I live in San Diego and I signed my girls up for um, swim lessons. And it's this woman um, in our neighborhood. She's like literally two miles away from us. And she teaches swim lessons out of her backyard. And she was recommended to me by neighbors. And um, our neighbors have three kids that went through her very specialized like swim lessons. She has a specific method that she uses and they were all swimming and knew how to float on their backs to get air in under like four weeks. Anyway, so I was on the wait list for seven months (laughs) to have uh, lessons with this woman and walk in whenever we start talking. She knew about Hattie's diabetes because I prepped her beforehand and whatever. And then we're talking, she goes, man, I have a friend from forever ago. Gosh, I've known her 20 years. And she she actually does coaching for kids with diabetes. And I'm thinking, oh, cool. Like, I'm, of course, not thinking about you, Anna, because you're on the East Coast. <laughs> and like, what would the chances be? And she goes, yeah, what's her company called? Hmm. Oh, yeah, Finding Smiles Coaching. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Such a small world. Like she works in this. Yeah, um, yeah. She was, was so a cool. nurse. She was a nurse at um, the diabetes camp that I went to, and that's how we connected. And we, she was the nurse for the cabin of the ca- of the kiddos that I was with, and we just have like stayed in touch. I went out to San Diego to visit, you know, Tandem and Dexcom a few years ago, and she picked me up from the airport, and it was like we had you know, never like left our our world in 2001. And that's just like the power of the diabetes community, right? Like you just like, everybody kind of knows everybody in some secret lifetime. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And it's so funny because she does not have diabetes and she does not have kids with diabetes. She's so passionate about it and just is willing to take anybody under her wing. And I wish my kids were taking a swim from her. She's really amazing. My two and almost four year old, um, are almost at the point where they are going to like do their tests by jumping into the pool with clothes on. Cause her whole goal is if your child gets pushed into a pool or slips into a pool and they have clothes on and there's no adult around, they know how to float, get air, 
turn back over, swim, float, get air, get to the side, get out of the pool. Like, yeah. what an awesome swim teacher. But, okay, sorry for that little tangent, but I just thought it was so cool and funny that there's that connection. So funny. Um, so you. crazy. Um, okay. So Anna, did you tell the listeners everything you want them to know about you? Yeah. I mean, you could feel free to visit my website or follow me on social media. Um, you may have seen me on videos with the honey health app, um, for in our super parents community, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, I am, I'm super passionate about what I do. And a lot of that is stemmed from my experiences at summer camp. So uh, feel free to reach out and I love working with parents. So thanks for awesome. having me on guys. Yeah. Yes. We will be sure to link all things for Anna in the show notes. Um, okay. Let's get into the questions. So the first big question, which is kind of cumbersome is what is a 504 plan versus an IEP? Oh boy. So I'm actually going to first start out with, you know, what is an IEP? Um, and you're like, what? I'm not here to learn about that. <laughs> um, but an IEP really is, stands for an individualized education plan. So if you have a kiddo who has any type of learning need, say they have um, some hearing loss or they have, um, you know, something that is getting in the way of them learning at the same level as, you know, any other kid. Um, this is an opportunity for them to receive accommodations, whether it is extra help or extra time to help them um, have the best possible educational experience possible. Um, the, the 504 plan is essentially the medical version of an IEP. So if you already have a previously diagnosed condition like ADHD or some sort of reading challenge or, you know, those are just examples, you don't necessarily need a 504 and an IEP. Um, but the whole idea between both of these documents is that they are legal documents to help you receive the best possible education uh, throughout the school year. And that is the overall approach of why 504 plans exist. They are accommodations to help your child learn and succeed just as fairly as every other kid in school. Um, and I hope that sort of answers the question, but from the 504 standpoint, it is a legal document that outlines accommodations to help your child have, have that school experience that we want for our kid. Um, the nitty gritty of the, you know, medical management side of it in like, you know, how do you need four glucose tabs of her blood sugars between X and X, or please call me if the blood sugar is over, you know, 300 or whatever that outlines is that is the more details that, you know, the administration side of the accommodations piece don't need to know. Um, and they, that may be another question, but those are the two major differences between the IEP and the 504 is that the IEP is, is much more for learning challenges and the 504 is stemmed from the section 504 of the Americans with Disabilities Act back in the 1970s. So that is sort of wrapped under diabetes is sort of wrapped under this like 504, uh, people with asthma, people with, um, any sort of other chronic condition that is getting in the way of their learning at any point will likely have um, a 504 plan. Okay. So 
the 504 plan, the way I interpreted all of that in relation to having a child with diabetes is the 504, 504 plan is a legal document that it sounds like it's fairly broad and it basically just covers hey, my kid has type 1 diabetes, that means she will need special accommodations at certain points throughout school to ensure that she gets a fair shot at taking tests or writing essays or whatever in the same way someone without diabetes would have, right? So it's yes, just like this that is, very that broad... Is, that is, yes, exactly. It is not, think of it as like the, you know, the cover letter to the resume, um, you know, the 504 plan is going to be the outline and you almost don't want to have a very, very detailed 504 plan because that's for, that's for the addendum. That's for the attachments for the, you know, the medical side of it to be taken care of between the specific nurse and the teacher, um, from the administrative side and the legal side, it's just about playing fair. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, you're going to go back to this 504 and look at this, you know, bulleted document that says, oh, Hattie will not be penalized for missing, you know, school or Hattie will have, you know, access to unlimited absences due to diabetes related reasons. Well, say she, God forbid, gets the flu and goes into DKA and misses a week of school in seventh grade, that 504 plan is covering her. Um, if she were to get docked or have to, God forbid, repeat seventh grade or, you know, whatever that is, you want those bullet points to basically cover any potential examples that you can think of or anticipate throughout that school year. And the details behind that are going to be, you know, in those, uh, you know, sort of day-to-day medical management plans and health plans. Okay. So the details we will get to soon in terms of like discussing how you outline the specific details to keep your kids safe. Um, But before we get into it, next question, I feel like it, sorry, Raquel, I'm talking over you. I feel like. No, you're all good. I'm just listening and taking it all in. I'm still trying to understand how it all works. Um, So like, where do you start? Like very tangibly, if I'm sitting down and about to write one for my future child, hopefully not, because hopefully they won't live with diabetes, but you get the point. Um, how do you start? Great question. So say you have a kindergartner this year or a you know pre-K and you're starting in a new school district, uh, the first thing I would do would be to call the school or call the administrative office and find out who the person is either at your district or at the individual school who oversees any type of, you know, 504 plan and find out what their process is. You are eligible for a 504 plan as long as the school receives federal funding. I don't want people to feel like, oh my gosh, well now I need to go searching to make sure they receive federal funding. If you are attending any type of public school, or and a lot of parochial schools too, you are 99% of the time going to be at a school that receives federal funding. And most schools, unless you're in a one-room schoolhouse, have seen 504 plans before um, or should. So the first step would be to you know identify who the right person is who's going to be your ally. 
um, who's going to help you guide you through this process. Um, I would call them, not email them. That sort of just sends a signal to a little bit more urgency and email. You know, they receive thousands of emails a day from their school district, whatnot, and either set up a meeting or just learn about what their process looks like. Share with them what works well for you at home if they're transferring in from another school or another district, or if this is the first time. And then you can contact your doctor's office your endocrine clinic team and find out what type of school forms they already may have. Um, A lot of endocrine clinics already have sort of templates that they use that they just kind of fill in for most of their patients. Um, And I would just sort sort of start gathering your materials. Then the next thing I would do, and this is very individualized, is really make a list of what works well for you at home, especially for those little ones who are going into kindergarten or starting their school experience with diabetes in tow? What what is already working well at home in terms of routine, in terms of bolusing, in terms of how you and either your partner or other family members communicate about your child's diabetes throughout the day? And what would you like to see you know, transferred to this sort of new environment. Because remember, we're trying to integrate diabetes into the school day and not make diabetes dominate the school day. Um, And that's maybe another question, but having, you know, written down, I think just really helps process what your goals are as you're going through this process. And, and maybe even before making that phone call can be really helpful. And then let the school guide you to what their process is. A lot of families think, oh, well, my 504 plan's not signed. That means it's not, I'm not covered. And that's not necessarily the case. Like just because you may not meet with a school until the third or fourth week. And I know we're, you know, a few weeks into the school year at this point, um, doesn't mean that your child is not covered. It just means there's logistically not time for a meeting just yet. Um, And it's actually more important that you have those sort of day-to-day health plans implemented and in place with a nurse um, oftentimes before that 504 plan takes place. So the first step is really just an outreach phone call to your district to find out what the process is, follow their lead, gather all the documents you need from the clinic and go from there. So it sounds question. really simple, but <laughs> yeah. Our, and sorry if you already said this, but like the very tangible things like my daughter gets this much insulin for this many carbs oh. and they need to you know go to the nurse at this point, whatever it is. That doesn't go into a 504 plan is what you're saying, correct? But where does that go? And is that also like a legally binding thing or is that just preference at this point? Um, I mean, a true 504 plan will look like a packet, right? So you're not just going to have the 504 plan, which is a list of those accommodations. Like I mentioned before, like Hattie will have access to all diabetes-related supplies throughout the entire school day, including cell phone, blood sugar management, food, water, ability to use the bathroom, you know, all those things. That can be on that cover letter front page, 504 plan, the list of accommodations signed. Underneath that, part of this packet will be either the individualized health plan or the medical management form that will list out the, you know, specific health recommendations to have in the nurse's office where it is the the exact basal rates, bullets, what to do if, when, and where, and why, you know, glucagon treatments and dosing and all that stuff. Those are not legally binding documents because A, they change so quickly and they're, they're fluid. Um, you would never need to rec- you know, have a 504 plan meeting um, to talk about a change in a basal rate. 
because that's not really impacting the accommodation. That's just impacting really one person, which is most likely the school nurse or, or whoever the person is that's primarily caring for her. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone had asked like how you make a change to your 504 plan. So it sounds like you can set up a meeting if it's like a big thing or if it's something yeah. small, you're just communicating directly with whoever's, you know, primarily helping you. And yeah. I believe that when I was growing up, I was in a private school for a while until high school. And I don't think we even had a 504 plan. Mom, correct me if I'm wrong later. But um, <laughs> I didn't even know. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Like if you find something that works for you where, you know, you're working with really awesome teachers and they're just there to listen, you don't actually need that. Like don't stress over it, I would say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would, hopeful. I would agree. A lot of people feel like, Oh, well, my school quote unquote doesn't do 504 plans or some people will say we don't have one and it works for us. That's okay. Um, I really, really encourage it only because once you do it, this document just kind of carries through you with you through all of your grade school, you know, experiences. It, it matters you know, a little bit more once there's more, you know, testing involved academically and there are school sports and, you know, other types of opportunities related to the school day where graduation and testing and college and, you know, it it matters a little bit more and can get dicey when it comes to attendance and grades. Um, but in the elementary school level, it's really about trust and and keeping your child safe you know god forbid there's a substitute teacher and they don't let somebody go to the nurse or like they question what's the phone being there it's nice to just have know that it know that it's there for your own protection i think i used this sort of analogy the last time we recorded it but it's it's like the letter you hope you never need that you always bring with you on a plane um, or some people do when they're first diagnosed that, in, you know, lets people know they have diabetes or the prescription label on top of, um, their insulin vial when you go through security. It's just, it's kind of just like the blanket protection. Um, but if you want to make a change to the 504, it is your right to request a meeting. Just know that they likely won't make any changes to any of those, those bullet points when it comes to, adjusting a basal rate or a correction factor, that's way too nitty gritty and nothing the school really has control over or would you'd likely take action over legally. Um, if there is like, oh, we are on a whole new pump system or there's something that's major that has shifted in the diabetes plan that you think will affect the school day, certainly call a meeting. Um, but for the most part, don't expect the school to say, yes, let's update the 504 because you have changed the dose. Yeah. I have a question. I think that maybe a lot of parents are feeling um, like anxious about mm. 504 plans yeah. because for those of us who have never done it before and we've never seen it, there's like this whole, you know, process where when you don't know what something looks like, it feels like heavier and more uh, complicated than it yeah. probably actually is. So one, have you ever like seen one physically? And two, like, is it, is there a general outline? Like when yeah. you take a meeting and you go to the school and you sit down, do they hand you a piece of paper that the state has pre-typed up and you fill in certain things? Are you responsible as a parent for typing things out head to toe? And like, what does that look like? Um, how many pages is it? Do 
people get hard copies? Is it within the cloud? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Can you touch it's, on those? It's, you know, it, it's one more thing causing like angst and overwhelm for these parents when it comes to diabetes. It's you know, it's like a first. It's like a milestone. Okay, we've gotten through Halloween with diabetes. Now we have to get through the five hundred four with diabetes for the first time. Um, again, I hate to say it. It really depends on the district and the state that you're in. There is. Um, blanketed, you know, sample 504s all over the internet. And most times I will not say this, but Google is your friend here. Social media is your friend here. I see this all the time. Can someone please share me, share with me a copy of their 504 plan? Um, I had a mom email me this morning. I did a, you know, a, a specific school session with her and she said, Anna, will you take a look at these bullet points that the school has provided? They already have five students in the school. Can you review them? They seem like nothing compared to the sample 504 plan that you sent me. And I emailed her back and I said, that's a sample. That's a sample and a list of things that you might want to include. And we have to remember to every single child's diabetes is different. And so not every accommodation is going to be necessary for each and every student, you know, if my child walks to school, so anything about riding a school bus is not going to be included, or, you know, if they have a para, you know, every, every single, every single child situation is going to be different. In terms of the length, I would say, you know, the 504 plan itself in terms of just, you know, sort of brief explanation and a you know, five, seven, 10 bullet points outlining it from a very legal perspective. That's like one to two pages. And then the health plan is just kind of stapled to it. So think of it as like one big packet. Um, usually there's, uh, you know, a few hard copies floating around school. Um, I wouldn't, it, you know, not floating around school, but, you know, one often kept in either the nurse's office or the principal's office, whoever is sort of that coordinator, you know, in Hattie school file or, um, and I would, I would have one signed. Usually they have to be signed, um, by multiple people, whether it's the principal or the guidance counselor or, you know, whoever this coordinator is in the, in the school district and then parent. Um, and I would keep one at home, you know, somewhat close by, they can be electronic. Uh, I've not seen one electronic because most of the time they're done, you know, in person. COVID may have changed that. Um, and I would actually love to hear from people who have done, you know, electronic signings or um, 504 plans done that way. Um, but it's not, it's an overwhelming process to think about. But once you get into it, it just sort of flows. Um, yeah, because other people are guiding you. Other yeah. people who are in charge yeah. are guiding you. Like yeah. as the parent of a diabetic child, you're not left on your own, or at least you shouldn't be. Yes. Right. And and, okay. and a couple of questions I would even ask going back to the, you know, where do you start in the process? When you're reaching out for the first time to the, you know, administration or the school nurse, you can ask them who is the who is the person that typically handles students living with chronic illness like diabetes. Um, when was the last time you had someone living with insulin dependent diabetes in your school and how familiar are they with, um, you know, insulin pumps and, and CGMs just so you get a sense of what you're starting with in terms of their familiarity with the technology. Um, and, and then that sort of can gauge, you know, how things might go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The other thing I'm thinking about is, so like. The 504 plan, I guess, 
in theory makes sense and it talking to you has like eased my personal anxieties because I will need to make one uh next summer um for my little girl and I'll help you Amanda you just email me thank you you. but yeah meeting with someone and like having the public school system already have in place like an outline of a 504 plan that that doesn't feel too anxiety producing what does feel slightly anxiety producing is then the specific health care plan with specific guidance for managing Hattie's type 1 diabetes. Now, Raquel and I have already talked about how, you know, the goal in school is safety, not perfection, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. That you can't be too hard on the school. You can't expect a range of 80 to 120 all day long. It's just unrealistic. Um, but you can expect safety and you should demand safety. And so in terms of the specific healthcare plan, my thought is there's a few different options. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong. One is your endocrinology office should have a generalized follow these doctor's orders Mm -hmm. guide for specifically meant for school. And I know that because our endocrinology office does, but I do think there are unfortunately some pediatric endocrinology offices that don't have that. I've actually heard a couple of people say my endo's office does not have that available for me. So then I'm wondering, okay, are the other two options? One, the school nurse has something already outlined that then you fill in your child's unique needs or two, are you left as the parent to create one on your own head to toe from scratch? Does that make sense? All great questions. Um, And yes, most endocrine clinics will have provided in, you know, their tenure of being MDs, some sort of school form, camp form, or written document with their signature recommending certain protocols, whether it's during a camp day or a school day. If that there's no chance for that happening, um, I would even recommend, you know, you could draft something on your own as the parent with what your desires are and reach out to your pediatrician. Reach out to your PCP if you don't feel like your endocrine clinic can be that kind of medical sign-off. Because I do think it's important to have someone who you feel like has the, you know, the best possible read on their diabetes to, you know, be that medical voice um, should you need it. So whether that is the pediatrician or the nurse practitioner or a diabetes educator that you are seeing, um, I do think it's important to have some sort of form that has that medical sign off on it for the, for the school. Um, and I think it, it creates a sense of trust for the school nurse that they're looking at like, okay, this is what the doctor says. Um, and a lot of times too, you can just, I know a lot of you guys are on social media, you know, individualized health plan for diabetes there are so many templates online and samples for you to create, you know, what your ideal level of care looks like from the parent perspective, from the school nurse's side. They also like seeing it, that sign seal delivery from the medical side. 
Um, and the medical side usually is more dosing. Um, it's more like dosing and so-and-so should receive glucagon during X, Y, and Z. So-and-so should receive, you know, that's just the, from the medical management side, very specific. Um, some people don't have another form that's sort of like the connector between the 504 and like the, the medical form. Um, again, it really just is based on any, you know, the complex needs of the child and anything else going on. If they just started a pump, if they're still in honeymoon, you know, there's so many diabetes related things that go into it. Um, I would say parents should never feel like they're left in the dark when it comes to creating documents for diabetes at school. I really think it's the, the first step is to reach out to the school and reach out to the doctor's office and then find your local group, find your local like Facebook group or your local community. Hey, anybody ever done a 504 at our district? Anyone can, can anyone send me a sample of what you've included? Um, and see if you can work off of that based off of your own individual like must haves. Okay, so last big question, I think. Um, do you have any tips for when nurses or teachers, whoever is at the school, are just, they're not listening? Or yeah. we even had someone specifically ask about, like, school denying after school care for Oof. their daughter. Like, anything like that. We get a lot of concerns from parents about just not being heard and listened to. And, I mean, there's not one easy answer here, I'm sure. But no. any tips on that? And not yeah. even, like... Sorry to interject, but not even like to hop on top of that. Some of these um, like teachers or nurses or whatever, it seems like they don't understand. They, they're one, not listening, and they're really not understanding the severity of the disease process. And so another thing that someone said is like, what if they take the Dexcom phone or the pump phone away from my kid because they're looking at their cell phone? like? What do you do in all these situations? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to that specific example, Amanda, I would say, you know, that's why we have the 504, where it says, you know, the diabetes device must be kept on the child at all times or have access to it at all times. And if you find that happening, that's a violation of the 504 and that's a legal document. So then you can, um, you know, kind of revert back to that and take whatever action you may need to help, you know, mitigate what, what the next steps are for, for that. Um, in terms of, you know, the getting any pushback from schools, I think the one thing we all still recognize is that schools across the country and school nurses, they're such short staffed. Um, we are so under-resourced as a society when it comes to school nurses, specifically in California, sorry guys, um, and across the country. That's no excuse for understanding, but I think we just have to recognize that there are some school nurses that are serving hundreds of kids in one day. Um, that being said, I think my number one tip for parents and this isn't necessarily in a response to my school nurse isn't going to do this or that or the other thing is... Think about your overall approach to the school before you reach out. You know, make sure that you are, you know, if you come across in a phone call or even like a text or an email using a very panicked tone of voice, like, why didn't this happen today? Or so-and-so, like, it looks like she received like eight units instead of 0.8, you know, 
think about where they're coming from if you can. I know diabetes is very panic-inducing sometimes, and we're always trying to put out fires. Um, but if we approach the school as, you know, they're an environment and their job is to keep my kids safe and teach, and our job is to kind of be that overall advocate for our kids, if we approach them in, you know, a warm, confident way, um, they're going to be much more likely to respond that way and be willing to work with us. What works for your school day and how can I incorporate that into my, um, you know, for my child? Um, or you can say, this doesn't seem like it's working for us. Um, this is, this is my thought. What would you recommend or how would you recommend we move forward? Um, and leave it at that or start there anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The other, the last thing I wanted to say too, though, is that the American Diabetes Association has a slew of resources and legal assistance that can help, um, all across the United States to work with you to, um, help solve some of these challenges. Um, so if you go to diabetes.org, I don't know if it's slash safe at school, but you can poke around the website and they have sample 504 plans, sample diabetes medical management plans, um, and a lot of different resources on, you know, how to take legal action around school issues. All right. Thank you for all of that information, Anna. Seriously, that was so helpful. And I'm sure people will have more questions, but Anna's not going anywhere. Um, (laughs) We're always open to getting specific uh, topic requests for Honey Health videos, which is, if you're not familiar with it, it's our um, Super Parents community group on the Honey Health app. So it's totally free. You can go join and watch exclusive videos that you're only going to find there. So if there's anything specific you want to hear from Anna, she can always answer something that way or you can send her a message. Um, And then also just so you know, you can always work with Anna one-on-one through Type 1 Together. You'll find her information on our website. And um, I do have a few announcements, one being that we are about to close registration in about 10 days for our third round of the Type 1 Grandparents course. And Anna and I actually run that course together. It's a six-week Zoom series where we go through all things TOD basics, how to care for Type 1 kids, and also just the emotional impact that it has on, number one, these grandchildren that they're you know wanting to visit and get to watch if possible but also their own kids right how can they help the tnd daily caregivers or parents um you know just get a little relief or even just connect with them because as a lot of you know a lot of times grandparents just don't get it and they're asking a million questions and so we're here to hopefully solve that um we only have four spots left as of today and this won't be coming out for another week so um if you're interested, definitely grab a spot. Anna, what's your favorite part about doing the grandparents course? I love it. Um, I honestly, I think for me, it's, you know, the knowing that they feel more confident and comfortable, you know, just listening to them, listening to them share stories and they want, they want to provide the break for their kids um, whether it's their own children or like in-laws children, like they love their grandkids so much. They will do whatever it takes to be able to see them and get that trust from their kids and provide the much needed break. So uh, like to all you parents out there, you know, there are grandparents that want nothing more than to see their grandkids and spend time with them. So highly recommend the program. It's so, it's so, it's such an amazing opportunity for everybody. 
And I'm excited because this year we're going to have Amanda on for one of the calls to share more about how it is as the parent. And then we're also going to have Meg, our nutritionist, on to talk a lot about food because that is the number one question we get from grandparents. Like, what snacks can I give them? How do we dose? You know, all the things. Um, So we're going to cover that. So yes, that is going to close soon. So be on the lookout. And then a few other things really quickly. Um, Our holiday order deadline this year is going to be at the end of October. So October 31st, if you want to order Dia Buddies that are handmade by my cousin Megan, um, she needs some time to make them all because that's our busiest season. And then also ship them. Shipping times can be really delayed during the holidays. So um, by October 31st, if you're looking to get any Christmas gifts, that's to guarantee delivery by Christmas. A lot of times we can still accept some orders beyond that, depending on how many we have. Um, and then I know a lot of you are asking about the ghosts. Another round of those are coming out really, really soon. Um, they're so cute. Everyone's been sharing their photos. They're glow in the dark, uh, but it's only going to be, I think, between 10 and 20, depending on how much time she has to make them. So when they're out, get them quick because they're going to be gone fast. I have a feeling. They're so cute. They're so cute, especially when they glow. You like charge them outside for a few minutes or in the light and then they'll glow in the dark. It's adorable. Um, And then today, well, I guess this is going to be a week later, but we just released our TUND coloring book version two. Every single child in the book is a kid actually living with type 1 diabetes in our community. And for each one sold, we donate one to a newly diagnosed family in the hospital. So if you want to buy one, give one or even just donate copies, you can find that on our site. I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, And then one last announcement. Amanda and I have been planning two events coming up in the fall. We have a San Diego as well as an LA event. Um, All the dates and all that information is going to be released very soon, but they're both going to be in October and we're going to do some pumpkin painting in the park. So yes, Type One Together is a national company, so we do stuff all over. But in terms of events, this is what we have because Amanda and I are local. We're not quite at the point where we can do events all over yet, but that's definitely a goal. So stay tuned for that information. We're really, really excited to meet more of you and get the community together in person. Yes. Okay. Anna, thank you again so much. Very important information. Thank you. And if anybody has any questions, either filter them my way or type one together way and um, we'll do our best to get them answered. And I hope everybody has a great start to the school year. Yay. Thank you, Anna. Can we do a blood sugar roll call real quick? Oh boy. Hold on. (laughs) Uh, I am 166. 150 and flat. Close. Um, Hattie's 158. Oh, we're all really close. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye.